Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. Today, we will be discussing the importance of recipes in the continuation of family heritage, using food as a means to bridge generations one to another. We hope this discussion will inspire you to head back to the family dinner table, to hear from one another, to learn about your past, and where you fit in the bigger story of your family's future. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. The strength of steel with the grace of a magnolia. We are here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. And we've got plenty of room at our table. So pull up a chair. Okay, well, if there is one thing you quickly realize after listening to a few episodes of our podcast, it's that we love nostalgia. We try our best to talk about the past in the most uplifting of ways, and food is very nostalgic, absolutely nostalgic. It sure is. So we were divi- we were invited to participate in the University of Tennessee's Alumni College. I'm an alum of UT in Knoxville, and so they have college every summer for alumni to come back for a weekend and learn new things, and they make it fun, and it's... They get to tour places on campus, and... Yeah, it's just a... Really cool event. Cool group of people that many of them have been doing it for decades, coming back each year, but their theme this year was food for thought, and so when they invited us... To come and speak under that theme, we were all in, right? That's right. So um, today we're going to be talking about like bridging the gap of generations and talking about how foods that our family ate, they can be um, not only a gift to share with one another, but they can also be a method to actually preserving family heritage. And so we're going to... Some of the statistics that we found and information we found was quite deep i mean uh-huh. this is bigger than just you know Mima's recipe in her handwriting we're you, gonna go into some pretty cool stuff of what this helps with anxiety and mm-hmm. just depression and helping people realize where they fit yes so before we dive into the actual food we eat let's discuss where we're eating our meals so Lainey, take us to the dinner table well, I wish that's where everybody was eating, but okay, true. astoundingly, I found a study done by Stanford University said that 20% of all American meals are eaten in the car. 20%? Yes. Wow. Okay. And 25% of Americans eat at least one fast food meal every day. And, and that's probably in the car. Well, likely, Could right? Be. Yeah, yeah. 
So one 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 of your weekdays is in the car, yeah. So I mean, these statistics have a toll on physical health, mental health, emotional health. Mm-hmm. I was quite surprised by these numbers, and even trying to figure it out. I'm guessing people are just so involved in so many activities, busy. Yeah, there's no margin to. It's the very thing that we've talked about when we talk about hospitality. There's no margin to even be hospitable because we're overscheduled. We. I mean, I'm putting us in it too. You have to be so intentional to create the margin. It's true. Yeah. I mean, intentionality is so huge. And I don't know how parents are going to do this in the future unless they are just (laughs) truly comfortable with their nose like pick your one activity in school or pick your one sport yeah well and it's not otherwise just... there's just so much overlap you are eating in the car sure yeah yeah so yeah okay so that's a I staggering that yeah I don't know I was also just now thinking the importance of sabbath rest and just how we're to delight in just what God's already done, what we already have, instead of the always more, 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 right? Yeah. That's, anyway. that'll, that'll preach. <laughs> preach, sis, preach. Well, we all know anxiety and depression are skyrocketing in American culture. Mm-hmm. And one act that we can actually do to have a huge impact on the self-confidence and happiness of children and adults is telling family stories around the dinner table. Which is hard because a lot of us would consider ourselves not good at telling stories so it kind of takes some practice but what safe and better place to start that's right than with your family i mean they're the ones that yeah. see you first thing in the morning that's when right. you're coming they down your, for coffee and before you've brushed your hair yeah, or tea yeah so true well and then also add in the fact that people are spread out it's not like that's it true. used to be with you yeah. know all the generations right in one little town right but we can be intentional to try to do the best we can with this. Absolutely. Yes. So. And this can be, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I was about to go on a tangent. Of I know. What if it's non-biological sort of, you know, a grandparent figure and all that. So right. let's, well, I'll try and stay though on course. Well, children who engage in regular family meals do have higher self-esteem and a greater sense of control over their lives as they often feel stronger family relationships in a sense of heritage and history of their family story. Mm-hmm. So this is really, truly a big deal in just development. Marshall Duke, who is a psychology professor at Emory University, has done an in-depth study on the importance of ritual in American families and how it builds resilience. Ooh. I thought this was so cool. He coined a term, intergenerational self. This is when we understand who we are in the world, both through our own individual experience and through where we fit in family stories. Mm -hmm. So this provides a sense of identity through historical time and helps us feel strength and guidance to overcome challenges that we face in life. It helps us see how we fit into a bigger story than just ourselves. I like this. And the best way to hear these stories is through family dinners and holiday celebrations. Hearing stories of heroes in our family that bounce back from difficult situations help us know that we too can get through because we're strong and our family is special because no other family has those same stories. That's true. Yeah. According to this Professor Duke, knowledge of family history is strongly correlated 
with higher self-esteem, better family functioning, greater family cohesiveness, as well as lower levels of anxiety and behavior problems. And this definitely resonated for me. I mean, I recall stories of overcoming, you know, physical strains, financial strains. And when I'm facing mountains, I think back on those stories of our mom and some of the great things that she overcame or... Yeah, and I was even just thinking of it. I mean, you can, both ways can be a positive. So if you've got heroes in your family that you're going, well, they did it. Surely I can too, right? Yeah. Or if they, if what you look back and think of is, this is a weak spot in my family. Everybody in my family has done X, Y, or Z. We fall short in this way or that way. But with God's help, I'm going to be the one. But then, but that's what they say in all sorts of business books is actually it's better to know your weakness so that you know what to focus on or what to, that what you are going to need to overcome. So to be aware of it. Is even yeah. as good as having knowledge of the strength. So anyway, both ways. It Whether can, you're looking at it as this is not a good thing in my family line or this is, they both could be used. For the good. For the good. And we even see, I was thinking about, we see the telling of family stories, even in the scriptures, when God commands the Israelites to tell the Passover story annually. Yep. You know, yeah. to each generation. And when Jesus told his disciples, take communion and remember what he had done to overcome death. Yeah. Remembering is a very big deal. It Even is. though, think of those times when, you know, they would set stones to remember something. Those yeah. Ebenezer stones. Ebenezer stones. Yes. yes. Well, mealtimes are also the best place for parents and grandparents to model positive communication and Social skills such as healthy conversation and table manners, things like that. These table conversations also develop the vocabulary of the youth at the table. Okay, so I have to jump in here. A lot of people told me in like the infant years of having my son, even up through preschool, are you reading to him? You know, that's so important. Like that's probably the most important thing you could be doing in terms of like vocabulary not even that just helping him learn but yes also vocabulary and bonding and yes um but also from an educational standpoint for sure well i found a study that said that researchers discovered that dinnertime conversation increases children's vocabulary significantly more than being read aloud to in the study Young children learned 1,000 rare words just by sitting at the dinner table and hearing or just taking part in a family conversation. Yeah, because they're hearing it in context, too. Right. So, I mean... That's interesting. Even better than reading. That's incredible. This is also a great way for older generations to kind of help steer the younger ones by asking questions and digging deeper in conversations. Sometimes children just need prompts. Mm-hmm. to ask questions and to get comfortable with talking to adults. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, I, I, but even as adults, I think we all still need some finessing in terms of our curiosity and like kind of not that we're all supposed to be interviewing one another, but just the the way to ask good questions, that even sometimes takes practice. That's true. But I do think that curiosity is the key. Yeah, just be curious. If you naturally are curious and you naturally like yeah. getting to know someone's stories yes it flows yes but if you don't find yourself there then 
find ways to dig. And that's what we're wanting you to be inspired by this is it's not just getting to know a set member of your family. It's that they might be a link to something that you need to know in terms of your past or where you fit, et cetera. That's So. so good. Well, there's even science to what happens when we eat food with others. There's an increase in the secretion of oxytocin or what some call the love hormone. And this hormone increases feelings of love and closeness between those we are gathered with and it does make for a really bonding experience. It does. The re- hormone release even aids in digestion of the food we're eating. That's crazy. Science is so cool. According to the U.S. National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse, teens that eat di- family dinners three or more times per week were less likely to have abused prescription drugs or have used illegal drugs. Whoa. That's huge. Whoa. Yeah. In fact, it made me think back to just that story from you doing Young Life camps. And oh, yeah. Tell that story about, well, you know, these camps are so freaking amazing they with are. all they offer. The amenities. I mean, if you went to summer camp and you're in your 40s and beyond, this isn't the summer camp probably that you went to, unless it was a Young Life camp. Young Life camp has been around that long as well. But you know, cool cabins, zip lining, horseback riding, swimming, hiking, skiing sometimes. Yeah, if it's, yeah, just depending on where it is in the U.S., there's so many across the whole states. But at the end of the week that they coin is the best week of your life. And for many, it really is. And they say you'll give your, they'll give your money back if it's, it's not, not the, the best, best week, week of your life. life. I mean, hundreds hello. of dollars. They're that just sure of it. But many of the kids said that their favorite part of the week was the meal time, dinner time, the meal cabin. And I was like, what? After all of that? Now, there were skits and things that made it fun. But I just think the richness in sitting around a round table, they were all round, and just, you know, having eye contact, having good food, just enjoying each other was kind of foreign to a lot of them so wild so it, it made a bigger impact than the day's activities so let that encourage you too. Yeah. grandparents parents sometimes we're trying to do all these things that cost a lot of money right and what they really want and i'll tell you what they want they wanted the spaghetti meal with garlic bread and for dessert they wanted one of those hot cookies that you cook in like a skillet, skillet with a scoop of vanilla ice cream on I top. I mean, none of that's that hard. That was either. the number one meal. So there you go. That's what they want. <laughs> so that is the where we eat and critically important. But let's chat a little bit about the what we eat. So we actually didn't really know our grandparents. So a lot of what we are going off of in terms of our own memories is from our mom's cooking And those that we went to church with that participated in one of my favorite things, the covered dish or a potluck dinner. (laughs) That's right. And so, yeah, I just wanted to just be clear from the get-go that, you know, our family tree is a little funky, too, in terms of people that we got to have. early. Yeah. Yeah. We had great aunts and other people, but just not... um, It's it's not the traditional grandparent that we're pulling a lot of this from. Yeah, yeah. So one of my favorites that favorite recipes that I make is a very rich dessert. It's called a Texas chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. The recipe that I have is written in cursive in our mom's handwriting, but full credit is given at the top to Bar- 
Barbara Williams of New Hope Church. Isn't that cute? <laughs> I love how that keeps things going. Yeah. Now, I was way too young to remember Barbara, but I'm really grateful to claim her as family now and when it comes to a recipe that's still alive in our family. So, you know, it's funny because the more you make something, you know, like it, I never knew Barbara, but I Barbara had, or mom had Barbara's recipe. So it was mom's recipe to me. Well, now I've been making it more than mom. So now it kind of seems like it's starting to be my recipe. So when you have a daughter-in-law, it might say Laura Beth Uh or, you know. Yeah. So, you know, kind of the more you make something, you start to become the one people think of. So true. And so that's just interesting to think about how recipes can transfer from outside of a family to inside of a family and how it trickles down. so true. And it's so funny how we have these connections with food to family right one of the foods that stands out to me from our family reunions on dad's side is my great aunt boots's fried corn yep she knew just how to get the flavor and the consistency right and i asked her before she passed away how do you get the consistency so perfect Mm -hmm. in this fried corn and her key was that you have to get the um, milk out of the base of the kernels right there at right, the edge of the where the you know where you're the, cutting it off that's yeah. right wow. um anyway so that's one of my good memories of her is in quit in quit being inquisitive about how she yeah. did that yeah and but, you need to preserve that you right. need to preserve that in the to. way that it's however you have it captured that recipe so you need to write that part into the recipe so true you know and i don't have that yeah i need to yeah for for the future heritage. Our mom loves cheese. She passed that right down to us. So we often could just snack on like a chunk of cheese, Ritz crap, crackers, grapes. So when this whole charcuterie movement started, we were ready for we it. We knew how to do that. <laughs> uh, we have a great aunt who has since passed, Betty. She lived her whole life in Morristown, Tennessee. And every time we saw her, we would share some breakfast after we had stayed over for the night and she would eat her sausage biscuit with yellow mustard yellow mustard just plain yellow mustard and i guess that's what we ended up doing because she was right it's so good together it's so good together and who knows maybe there's some german in her heritage or yeah in her husband's heritage and that was that's sort of what that points and, to yeah. yeah mustard and sausage together My husband's paternal side of the family originates from Italy, so we have a stellar lasagna recipe with a secret sauce that we only make for Christmas Day. That is because it takes a really long time to make, so it feels special, so Christmas is the right time to do it. But I just love thinking of his great-great-grandmother cooking this all day long in no hurry, and the pride that she must have felt to feed her family with something that simmered all day. With right? fresh ingredients and yes. yeah, yeah. So fun. You've got all this fresh basil out back right now, just using things in season. Uh-huh. And um, we've got this book that actually came from a family reunion that one of his family members put together, where that that secret sauce is captured and written in, and it's it's got lots of recipes, and it's just like photocopied. I on, love it with with a spiral bound. Yeah, so when we shared this talk at UT this summer, I actually brought the book to share just to show how simple it is. Now, it did take a lot of time to assemble the first one, but then it was just copies, Yeah, you know, that were then dispersed among the family. So 
I don't know. It I takes just, somebody there again being intentional. Yes. And then it's easy to keep it going. Yes. And it's a very, very sweet, endearing connection to see someone's handwriting. So it I know that is. it would also be easier to type this out. But if at all possible, if you've got anything handwritten, that is just really nostalgic and endearing especially if it's cursive which and much of this is which you don't see especially if it has those added tips too must be white flower yes a white lily flower or yes you know grate your own cheese do not use already shredded cheese right things yes. like that matter yeah it really does i'm glad you mentioned that uh we have our own family tradition at christmas eve that's been going for i don't know upwards of 20 years now oh, yeah no, more, than, more that. than that. More than that. Wow, that's crazy to think about. It's probably about 27 years old now, is what I'm guessing. Our seafood the extravaganza. The seafood feast, the Christmas Eve seafood feast, which actually came out of a hard place of yeah. just having um, experienced divorce from our parents and having a very small Christmas Eve of mom and Lainey and I and... Mm-hmm. We sat there with a ham, a country ham, which many families do at Christmas time, but I don't really care for country ham myself. And Lainey was neither like, Neither do I. Neither do I. <laughs> so, anyway, it all kind of came down to it well, was what really our dad that loved the ham. And so, why, you know, let's pivot, mm-hmm. make a new tradition. Mom asked, Well, what do, what's special to you guys? What would be fun and feel you know different we love seafood and that's very luxurious and so give me the scallops and the shrimp so that's what we do (laughs) christmas eve we do a seafood feast and even with a little bit of a growing family uh we've grafted philip my husband now into the seafood which he was totally down with that he was very excited about that so yeah and funny enough speaking of that in italian heritage that is come to find out an italian thing on Christmas Eve, they do the Feast of the Seven so, Fishes. And we didn't even know that. We didn't know so, that. But it was like we knew that we knew that we didn't know. Anyway, so, yeah. I mean, and even contrasting that, there's parts of recipes that are very familiar that I actually don't want to pass on. And oh, so- yeah. <laughs> they will die with this generation. Um, I'm talking to you pineapple salad. So, do you remember that? Or some people do the pear salad. Like, oh yes, I know it well. It's just a piece from, of from a can iceberg lettuce. Yes, piece of iceberg lettuce, canned a, fruit. Be that pineapple slice rings, rings yeah, or, or pear, halved pears, and then you just dollop some mayo on top and spread a little shredded cheese. Just a little shredded cheese, maybe a little paprika, maybe <laughs> you have it. Yes, but mom would put out individual servings, so it, I mean, she knew if you ate it or not. <laughs> so that's <I> mean, hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, that's not like you scooped a little out. That was on a little salad plate. Right. There's your portion. So I think some of what we're showing is that these are heirlooms. Then they don't heirlooms don't have to be furniture or jewelry. That's right. Heirlooms can be recipes or the ways that you serve food or prepare food or the particular ingredients that are, you know, critical to making something great. So I love the traditions that we've done for I did this for you when you got married um, where you ask people to bring a handwritten recipe yes that was awesome I just think that's special because that gives you that key to remember Mm -hmm. those people Mm -hmm. with something that's special to them yep and again like this could be simple things it doesn't even have to be a recipe per se but I will forever love road trips not just because 
travel's fun, but because I like little things like putting peanuts in a glass bottle a of glass Coca-Cola, bottle of Coke. just like our mom did, just like she saw her grandparents do. So, And you get a little, yeah, it's like easy to do while you're driving to get yeah. that little snack and drink at the same time. Salty and sweet at the same time. Now, that's probably not going to be in a recipe book anywhere, but, you know, it's things that I can show my son or show others that and are just fun. Well, with that nostalgia, it's just amazing how I bet if you start a road trip, you think back to being in the car with me and mom or Uh that kind of thing. Just like when you're making a recipe and you smell those smells and you're back in grandma's kitchen or your great aunt's porch where you always had that snack. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how it can make you travel to those memories. So since we were, you know, speaking to an audience the first time we shared this chatter, we were really leaving them kind of charged with something, right? For they sure. were there to learn and to absorb something new and to just have fun with it. So we kind of charged them to ask themselves a few questions. And so I'm going to do the same for us here. And there's just about three questions here. But first, just stop and ask yourself, what are some foods that I recall from childhood? Fried green tomatoes, chow chow, grits, pimento cheese, boiled cabbage, squash casserole. This is very southern. (laughs) I know. Sorry. This is an exclusive southern list. Deviled eggs, crab cakes, fried chicken, key lime pie, cherry fluff, ambrosia, sherbet punch. Mm -hmm. Just think. Yeah. Drinks, snacks, entrees. Yeah. Depending on where you're from or your heritage, it could be tamales mm-hmm. or just it could be it could yeah. be anything after school snack special occasion like just stop and try and think of anything and something that you can recall as being some foods from your childhood and then what are some foods that you want to pass on to others be that your own kids or a church group or your neighborhood and then finally what do some of these foods show you about yourself And about your own heritage. Yeah. Well, and I I just want to even encourage those who, I don't have kids or, but I still can keep recipes going. Sure. If I go to a wedding shower, I can, Mm -hmm. you know, write out my recipe for something, give the person that dish to make it in. And so the, so the heritage continues. And if you don't have family recipes, sometimes you can even just use, you know, um, regional cookbooks mm-hmm. for your area. I That's love good. church cookbooks and yes, junior league cookbooks that are regional. Those always have tried and true recipes, and you can just start your own legacy. I love that of keeping those things going. We did a whole episode on Southern cookbooks, so if you actually don't know where to start and you're interested in Southern foods, true, I'll link to that in our show notes, and we'll give you some specific titles yeah, to go look at. Yeah, and if at. you're listening from another region, your region has them as well. Exactly, yes. Well, so in that charge, I say we start a revolution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's say no to other activities that try to take precedent over that family mealtime. Let's check our phones at the front door and gather around the table with family and friends. I know families are more spread out in proximity now, but we can be intentional to have intergenerational meals as often as possible and even set the table with mixing those generations together. 
mm-hmm. not all the kids in one corner where they don't even talk to the older ones. Mix it up and never, ever underestimate the power of that Sunday supper at Mamaw's house. Amen to that. Amen. And, you know, I'm just thinking about we've got a fine woman at our church who we know each time she walks in with her be it dessert or entree it's going to be good so find that person in your book club or in your church or in your neighborhood that's just a great cook and just graft them right into your family heritage maybe even go have a cooking lesson with them yeah exactly you did that with the person i'm thinking of you're so amazing teach me how to make cornbread like you We hope you guys have a great week. We do hope that you're inspired to just even continue your own family heritage and preserve it through the means of food around the dinner table. We will be back here next week with more great Southern culture. Y'all have a good one. And peace be with y'all.